Welcome back to the Rental Properties uh, with Phil podcast. I'm your host. My name's Phil. Now, in this last episode, uh, I'm going to go through some of the uh, frequent, frequently asked questions and common questions that have been asked in relation to rental properties and investments. Now, one of the uh, common questions is, uh, is there a particular structure like business structure in which it's a best thing to uh, put a rental property in? Well, again, uh, the issue is what do you want to get out of your rental property? Uh, What's your objective? Do you want a complicated structure? Uh, Do you want a structure where you'll be paying fees every year or do you want a very simple structure? And uh, what are you going to do with a property? Uh, Now, you need to bear in mind that there is a difference between just investing and developing. Uh, If you're going to venture into the developing uh, side of things, uh, well, perhaps a company or maybe a joint venture structure uh, is a best possible, is an ideal uh, way to go about it uh, because you're obviously buying land and then you're uh, uh, paying builders and contractors to uh, develop that land into a building. However, if you are purchasing an existing building and you're only using it for uh, investment purposes uh, in order to earn rent, uh, then perhaps the simplest and uh, easiest structure and the uh, least costly structure for you to use is either an individual or a partnership. Now, a partnership uh, can be uh, with two individuals, with three individuals, or with a mix of individuals and companies and trusts. It just depends on who you're going to go with in this type of investment and what you seek to achieve uh, from this investment. Uh, Let's say, for example, if your spouses, uh, you may like to uh, set up a partnership and a partnership has its own separate ABN and uh, TFN where all the income and expenses come in and out of the actual partnership and then the net income or loss from the partnership gets distributed to the two individual partners. That may be something that you, you, you may like to explore and uh, set up. Uh, however, uh, an individual uh, setup is also a very common uh, setup in terms of uh, investing in your uh, rental property. So you can, you know, be the same spouses and have the property in joint names. Uh, so, for example, John and Jenny uh, owning a particular property. Now, in terms of putting the uh, rent income and claiming the expenses, uh, there's no law that says that you have to put, you have to use 50-50. There's no law that says you have to have a 50% portion and your spouse has to have a 50% portion of your rental income. Uh, Now, that's where you need to work out some tax strategies. For example, if one of you is on a high income, uh, you may and you're you've got negative gearing. You may like to have a sixty percent share of uh, rent or seventy percent share of rent, because uh, if there's a rental loss, uh, the person with a high income uh, level. Uh, with 70% share uh, will be better off uh, because you can claim 70% of the uh, rental loss and the other one with the lower income level, uh, you can still claim 30% of the rental loss. Uh, So if in an individual names, uh, there's uh, joint ownership, you can 
uh, work out between the two of you uh, with effective tax strategies, what percentages uh, each of you uh, will own in terms of the rental. Uh, now, in a partnership, if you have a partnership set up, Again, uh, the rental property is in the name of the partnership. Uh, now, again, there's no law that says that you have to have equal share of the partnership income. You can still have 60% uh, share and 40% share or 70 and 30% share of the partnership income. So the, that's something that you, both of you will need to decide and see in the accountant on uh, how best to uh, work uh, what the best uh, tax uh, strategy is and what the best uh, uh, business uh, structure is. So there's no right or wrong uh, business structure at all. However, bear in mind, uh, if you're doing it in a company structure, uh, any capital gains uh, in a company uh, is not entitled to the 50% capital gains discount method. Uh, but an individual partnership trusts, uh, superannuation funds are entitled to the 50% capital gains discount method where you hold the property for at least 12 months. Okay, uh, the next uh, question, uh, is there a right or wrong uh, type of property to be investing in? Uh, and what's the best property, uh, what's the best type of properties uh, to be investing in? Well, again, this is only a general advice. Uh, th there's no right or wrong uh, answer. There's no right or wrong properties uh, for you to invest in. It just depends on your taste, on what you like and on what type of returns you're looking for. If you're looking for long-term capital growth, then uh, a uh, house, a townhouse type of investment uh, perhaps a commercial property investment uh, may be the way, uh, best way for you to go. And uh, when we're talking about commercial property investments, uh, perhaps you, you could be looking at shops or warehouses, uh, something along the line, something in terms of uh, a good potential for uh, future capital growth. If you're looking for high income returns every year, uh, then perhaps uh, you may look at a apartment, you know, a small apartment, one to two bedroom apartment uh, in or around the city uh, where they service it for students, you know, university students and so on. Uh, you could be looking at around about 8 to 10 or even 11% uh, rental returns uh, per year. However, don't expect a huge capital growth. Uh, the, that, that's what we're saying. When you're receiving huge, uh, a large uh, rental return, uh, don't expect a large capital growth as well. Uh, you, you could probably be waiting more than 10 years uh, for an apartment to grow in its capital value, uh, possibly 15 to 20 years. Uh, the other, uh, if you're looking for a commercial uh, uh, property, you may look into a uh, storage unit. Now, this is going to be beneficial for you uh, if you're running a business 
Uh, and if you purchase a storage unit in your own name, you may like to explore the opportunity of uh, setting up a lease agreement uh, so that your business uh, pays you storage rent and that income flows between yourself and your business. In that case, your business will be uh, uh, cl claiming a tax deduction. Um, now, depending on the setup of your business, um, it can uh, get a benefit uh, of a deduction. Uh, and you yourself as an individual uh, will be receiving rental income uh, from that. Um, however, if you want to really benefit uh, from the tax uh, side of things, uh, superannuation fund is a good way to set it up, uh, especially if you have a business and if you have a self-managed super fund, you can purchase a storage unit from about 10, maybe 15, maybe $18,000. And uh, um, if you have your own business, you can also look at setting up a commercial lease agreement between your business, your business being the tenant and your super fund being the landlord. And that way you can store any of your uh, business items, any furniture, any uh, uh, thing uh, that's old uh, from your business that you don't need. You can put it in that storage unit uh, and then pay uh, rent to your super fund. So the income and expenses flows in between the super fund and your business. But again, uh, I would uh, recommend that you seek professional advice in uh, looking at doing things like these. So basically, uh, depends on the type of return that you're looking for and uh, whether if you want a, a capital growth, um, you're best to look at a residential property in an area where there is a potential for a long-term capital growth. If you're just looking for an income return every year, a steady 8 to 10% income return every year, uh, which is quite rare, but it can happen, uh, I'd be looking at somewhere in or close by uh, to the CBD areas. But again, please seek professional advice before going into any of these things and before uh, signing any contracts, uh, seek professional uh, accounting and legal advice on that. Okay, now... Uh, capital gains. Um, I've had a question about when to declare a capital gain or loss. Uh, do you declare it on the date that you sign the contract or on the date where the property changes hands? Well, the taxation laws uh, have changed in uh, in recent years, uh, and I think it's it's uh, kicked in from around two thousand and seven or the early two thousands uh, that. When you sign the contract, so the date that you sign a contract to sell your property, uh, and once you know for sure that the sales have gone through, that's when you declare a capital gain. So if you sold a property on the uh, 10th of June, you signed a contract for sale on the 10th of June, and then the uh, property changed uh, hands on the 10th of July, Unfortunately, your capital gains uh, event is on the 10th of June. So yes, you do need to declare the capital gain uh, for the year ended 30th of June uh, uh, on the 10th of June. Uh, now, that means you are declaring a capital gain in advance, uh, but then it also means that you don't need to do your tax return and lodge it until, uh, you know, until uh, 31st of October or where you're with a tax agent, you don't have to lodge it until uh, sometime in May the following year. So you do have that lodgement concession, uh, but you do need to bear in mind when you lodge 
you need to declare the tax return, uh, you need to declare the capital gain uh, in that particular financial year. So um, when you sell the contract on 10th of June 2020 and property settles on the 10th of July 2020, you declare the capital gain in your 2020 individual tax return. And that also applies to whether you have a company or a trust or a superannuation fund, you still need to declare the capital gain of in your 2020 tax return. Now, I've also had a question about depreciation and capital works. What if you don't have a uh, tax depreciation report? Can you still claim depreciation and capital works deductions? Yes, you can. However, it's going to be a little bit of, uh, of work that you need to do. You need to look at what, uh, what assets there are in your rental property and you need to estimate their value. Uh, you need to uh, do a reasonable estimate of the value of uh, the assets in your rental property. Uh, and you also need to uh, do a estimate of what its uh, written down value is uh, for, you know, when you purchase your property. So let's say you purchased your rental property and there's carpets, there's blinds, uh, there's uh, uh, furniture in your property. And uh, these have a value of around about, you know, $15,000. Now, you don't have to engage a quantity surveyor and get a tax depreciation report. You can just put in that you've got rental uh, assets uh, worth $15,000 and then you can claim them over a period of around about eight to 10 years. Uh, now, what about capital works? How does that kick in? How does that uh, uh, fit in? Well, you would need to really estimate the value of the uh, building, um, the value of uh, the uh, construction work. And for that, you'll need to do a bit of research on uh, buildings uh, um, around the same size in the same area, uh, similar size buildings uh, in the area. And you need to just uh, look at how much uh, the building cost, how much construction cost, and you can apply a two and a half percent on that basis. Uh, so let's say uh, you've uh, done research and you found that building and construction costs estimated for a uh, for the similar for a similar size building that you have in the same area, it could, the building costs one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. You can apply a two and a half percent capital works on one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Now, what if you've uh, done uh, a lot of renovations uh, throughout the year? You've uh, had to uh, pay for extensive renovations, you know, for a kitchen, for a bathroom for one of your rooms, you've had to pay, uh, let's say $50,000 uh, to get renovations done. Well, uh, you can claim the additional capital works uh, based on, let's say $50,000 that you've spent on additional renovations uh, based on a two and a half percent is a, a rate that you use. Uh, but if you've renov let's say if you've paid for the renovations and the works completed in uh, January, you can only claim the capital works deduction uh, for six months, so from January until June uh, in the financial year. But then in the following year, you can claim the capital works deduction uh, for that fifty thousand dollars renovation. Two and a half percent of that, you can claim it all in that one year uh, in the following year. But you're just going to have to 
the pro rider, the renovation, uh, let's say if you've done, uh, completed it in January, you can only claim six months. If it's been completed in October, you can claim the uh, deduction for capital works from October all the way through to June, plus also the existing uh, capital works deductions. But without a tax depreciation report, it's just a little bit of extra work that you need to do and uh, extra details that you need to uh, look into. Okay, so uh, that's about it for this podcast. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed it and I hope that it's been enlightening for you. Uh, Any questions or queries, please feel free to send me an email. Uh, The emails are listed in the description of the episode. Uh, If you do want to make an appointment for more specific advice, um, I'll be able to provide that, but in the setting of um, in the in the office where I'll be able to make an appointment with you and see you face to face. So please feel free to initially contact me and uh, ask if it's uh, um, possible to make an appointment uh, anytime. So I trust that you've enjoyed this and uh, that's the end of this uh, episode and the end of this podcast altogether.